you look at your bulletin, you see what's the funny little things at the top? What are they? Doors. There's three doors in this case, but what I'm going to talk about this morning is two doors. I don't know why God laid this on my heart, but he's laid this um, title of this uh, sermon on me for a while, and choices. The reason is, I'm sure, is because when you get down to life, there are only two choices, God's choice and the devil's choice. You have to choose between them. To not choose is to choose to side with the devil. Some scripture this morning, and we're going to uh, examine it, see what God's word says. In this look around, I'm a Gideon also, and I look around at what's happening in our country and in our Christian organizations, membership. I see it declining in most cases. Uh, people are uh, happy to have their ears tickled is the word I will use with the things that sound good to them rather than what God's word says. So uh, bear in mind that there's some of the things here that are said this morning may be harsh, but I'm sure that God gave this message to me for a reason. So we'll preach it. Okay. I'd like to explore what the Bible says about choices. God gave us free will the ability to choose. Webster defines this way, the act of choosing, defines choice this way, the act of choosing, the act of picking or deciding between two or more possibilities. If you want to get a head start on things, you can turn to Joshua chapter 24, but while you're doing that, I'm going to go and uh, look at uh, John chapter 1. What choice do we have here for a minute? What do we really believe? If we don't believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, as 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.16 says, what then do we believe? If you don't believe in the Bible, it is the word of God, what do you believe? Why are you here? Timothy 3.16 says, what then do we believe? I believe that the Bible, and this is me personally, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. What do you believe? That's the question of the day. Listen to the words from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter one, verses one through five. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life, Jesus, was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. By way of explanation, the, what does this phrase, darkness comprehended it not, what does that mean? Turn, if you look at John 3.19, this is what the Bible says about that. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. What this, word, this verse is say to me when you 
get all the fancy words out of it, it means the Word, that's, that's Jesus Christ. Christ and God are one. Christ made all things. He is life. He is the hope of mankind. Outside of him is only darkness. That's what those verses say to me. Christ came to mankind and was rejected because man loves darkness because his deeds are evil. We all have a willful blindness when it comes to doing what God would have us do. Now let's look at Joshua 24, verses 14 through 16. My fingers are shaking, I can't separate the pages. Joshua 24 is, is uh, Joshua's farewell address to the people of Israel. He reminds the people of what God has done for them before the flood, from before the flood to the occupation of the promised land. In Joshua 24, 14 through 16, he invites people to choose who they will serve, other gods or Jehovah. The text says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seems evil unto you, serve the Lord, evil unto you to, to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should be forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It does beg the question about what other gods we're talking about. What other gods could there be? Money? Family? We seek after pleasure? What other gods could we be substituting for God? I myself have made the choice to serve God. Have you made that same choice? I believe that the Bible is God's true revelation to us of who he is and makes the choice of who we should serve pretty obvious. Who do you serve? That's the question of the day, who do you serve? In the book to the Roman church, Paul talks about sin, which is death, a, death, a death sentence for all mankind. What is sin or evil? My simple definition of sin is anything that is contrary to the will of God. That covers a lot of territory. How do you know what the will of God is if you're not seeking God's will, reading your scripture, which is his message to us? How do you know what is the will of God? Last Sunday we were talked about God abiding in us. Abiding, that means that he, his thoughts, our thoughts are, are the same. Are we tuned in that well into God to know, so that our thoughts are the same as his thoughts? God created, created us, and think about this based on what you heard in John. God created us and that gives him the right to make the rules. Have you thought about it that way? God gave us free will, the ability to choose to obey the rules or disobey those rules. 
Webster defines choice this way, the act of choosing, the act of picking or deciding between two or more possibilities. In Romans 5.12, we're given an explanation. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And, and in verses 18 to 21, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to, to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift, the free gift is God's grace and Jesus Christ, came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus, he sacrificed himself, shall man be made righteous. What is sin? There's a little discussion about this. Encyclopedia Britannica defines sin this way. Moral evil as considered from a religious standpoint, sin is regarded in Judaism and Christianity as a deliberate and personal, purposeful violation of the will of God. You may fall into sin also inadvertently this is the main thing that we're concerned about, is a deliberate and purposeful violation of the will of God. So again, we have to know we're in God's will, to know that we're violating. And I think each one of us who knows Christ knows when we're violating that. I think I go a little farther and say, I think the man and woman who has heard the love of Jesus and still points at this willfully and purposely avoiding God. Romans 18, 21, moreover, the law is the law, which is the Ten Commandments, ended. Not that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as both sin reigned unto death, even so, by grace reigned to direct righteousness unto eternal life for Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that the Ten Commandments, or the law, was given to us to highlight both sin and God's grace. How did we know what sin was? Until God told us what sin was. He's told us in many ways. His, his book, the Bible, is full of guidance to us. It also talks about grace. Where does grace come from? Grace comes from God. God overcomes sin. Grace is a free and unmerited favor of God. We didn't deserve it, we can't earn it. He's made it available to all of us to accept. But the accepting is an interesting thing in itself. Are you ready to accept and submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? It's a big step. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, for he, meaning God, hath made him, meaning Christ, to be sin for us who know no sin, that we might be made the righteousness in him. It's where grace is poured out on mankind. All we have to do is accept it. Acts 4.12 reminds us that neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven 
given among them whereby they must be saved. Today's world, people are seeking all kinds of different ways to get to God. All kinds of different ways. Whatever, whatever you add or thing that makes them feel good, that becomes their seeking for God. And God is right here, right here in the scriptures. All we have to do is look. Once we look, we'll understand. We have a choice to make between choosing God or choosing evil. Jesus was obedient unto death on the cross, shedding his innocent blood to pay for our sins. And by God's grace to give us the opportunity to be reunited with God. I brought this up here for a reason. It's called dry milk. Jesus was obedient, obedient unto death on the cross, shedding his innocent blood to pay for our sins, and by God's grace to give us the opportunity to be reunited with God for eternity. Why then do so many not avail themselves of this opportunity? Good question. What keeps them from doing so? What is it about God and Christ that people don't understand? God, by His grace, gave us Jesus Christ as a living example of how we can serve Him. We have what we need right in front of us, the life of Jesus Christ. We really taught that about Jesus in the Bible. The Bible teaches how He thought, how He felt, how He loved us, how He cared for us, all that sort of thing. In the secular world, Jesus is definitely a historical figure. We know who He is. Think about that. Even knowing that he lived, people reject him, reject what he taught. God has provided guidance for mankind in his word. We seem to always emphasize the fruit of the Spirit, which can be found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And I'll just list them. What about preaching on these too, but I said not to, because that's me, unless I'm lost. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. Look at your life. How many of these things are part of your life? Are you in the will of God? We emphasize um, the fruits of the Spirit a lot because it's easier. There's also some other words in God's word. God has also provided specific guidance of those things to avoid. You know, that's not everything. Anything contrary to the will of God is sin. But here's a list of specific items that God has thought was significant enough to call out for us to avoid. I'll read them because it has emphasis here. In Galatians 5, 19-21 and Colossians 3, 5-9, we find list of those things. Sexual immorality, debauchery, drunkenness, filthy language, selfish ambition, fits of rage, evil desires, impurity, actions, jealousy, witchcraft, orgies, 
slander, malice, idolatry, hatred, lust, envy, greed, anger, and deceit. Those are the things to avoid. And again, we need to look at our own lives and see, are we guilty of any of these things? We have a choice to make every day. We can continue in sin or we can choose to accept God's grace and receive our eternal life right now. That's for those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Seems like an easy choice, right? Eternal life or eternal death. Those are the only two choices there are. Eternal life or eternal death. Perhaps we don't believe that God would let anyone, let anyone go to hell. We need only re read Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 9 to realize that he actually will. Think about that. Those who don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are destined to spend eternity in hell. Verses 6 and 9 say, Who God will render... Who will, who God will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. That's the positive side. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, which is God's word, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of every soul of man that doeth evil, and the, the Jew first and also the Gentile. That means everybody. There's no escape. Everybody. I'm going to editorialize here a moment. I think we've become way too comfortable with the central world, central world we live in. I know that's easy because it's the world we do live in. It's the only world we know. Many outside of the walls of this church, for instance, don't know there's any other way until someone points out that there is another way and God provided that way. For example, God gave us the law, going back to the Ten Commandments, to point out to us what he, that he did not approve of our lifestyle in those days. He followed that up several centuries later with his son Jesus, who taught the world through word and deed what God desired for mankind and followed that up with his sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross for our sins. He was sinless. He was the only way that God devised for us to be reunited with God. Jesus had to die for our sin. His blood had to be shed to cover our sin. Sin's still there, but it's no longer a barrier between us and God. Accepting this free, acceptance of this free gift is indicated by, and this is an individual thing, it's not a group think thing. Every individual has to make this choice on their own. The individual calling upon the name of the Lord can check that out in Acts 2.21. The individual repenting of all sin, that is being truly for sorry for being a sinner, 
and, and vowing to turn away from that sin, find that in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The individual believing that Jesus is who he says he is and in choosing to follow Jesus. John 3, 14 through 16 is a section of scripture that talks about that. But mankind often chooses to exercise free will. There's that free will thing, a gift of God. But that also has a problem. And as a sinner, man does, doesn't like to be told what to do. We are like children. We are God's children. Tony Evans, who's a uh, pastor and has written a lot about Christian life, tells a story about choice and see how this picture fits in with your life and my life and, and what we do. And it's titled Boundaries. Parents of teenagers know that the boundary lines between parent and child can get blurry real quick. The older a young person gets, the more apt they are to rebel against restrictions. Many a parent has had to remind their teenagers of who's who, the parent and the child. The propensity of the young person is to mentally erase the parent-child distinction because they don't want it to be, they don't want to be told to clean up their room. They don't want restrictions. They want freedom without boundaries, which erases the line of demarcation. God wants it to be clear there is a major difference between man and God, a big time difference. God is transcendent, God is infinite, man is not. There is only one God, man is not God. So man needs restrictions. That's what we were talking about earlier. We are God's children and we often act just like rebellious children. Today, each of us has a choice to make. Have you made your choice of whom to serve? Are you going to serve God or man? Realize there is no other choice. It is either God, which I equate to good, or man, which I count equate to equal, evil. Going man's way is sin, it leads to physical and spiritual death and eternal separation from God in a place called hell. We don't talk about hell much either, but it's there, it's real. This concludes the sermon. If this has touched your heart, Pastor Stephen and I will be down front and ready to receive you if you'd like to give your life to Christ today. If you gave your life to Christ, but haven't been living as Christ would have you to do, not abiding in him, come and confess that sin to Jesus and ask for forgiveness from God and renew your commitment to God. Please come, please stand, and please come as JB plays this song, Just As I Am. Christians in the audience pray that God's will and His Holy Spirit will have sway here today.